0: And we're going to get into this, this is a a longer psalm that we have today, and yet it's a a beautiful one, and now that we are out of the psalms of ascent, we kind of, we have a, a couple of psalms coming out of those that are filled with history, and I think it's important to note before we get into Psalm 135 and Psalm 136 next week, that this is a history that they would have recollected as real. Like these things actually happened. It's not like, it's not folklore or a fairy tale or even like tall tales, like for us would be like Paul Bunyan or anything like that. But this is an actual history with events that actually happened in real times, in real places. And these would have been documented throughout the rest of the Old Testament. They would have been written down. And, and also, verbally, they would have been passed down from generation to generation, just as we try and do, uh, tell our kids the story of Jesus, and, and we tell these things, and we pass them down. Yes, they're written down, but we um, we, as a people, have histories as well. Like uh, we have a history of Grace and Mercy Church, but we also have a history of our nation. And many of those are passed down through the generations. And but we have, so we have this collective idea of history, but we also have individual histories as well. Like uh, I think of um, the history, you could think of it like this, like Mo and I met And that story is a wonderful story. But then like Aaron and Angie met and their story is different. And, you know, Luke and Joanna met and their story is different and so on and so forth. And we could see that everybody has their own individual histories that have happened. Um, And and, uh, in this, we can see different wars that have been fought in histories. We have seen different events. And so um, all of these events actually happened. They are things that we we might want to write down and pass down to our kids. And uh, I know this, my kids are always asking me for stories of when I was a kid. They're always asking for things that have happened in the past. And so um, I believe that these stories are a beautiful making up of who we are. And in these stories, uh, especially stories from of old, we can see... That there are choices that have been made by our ancestors or by those who have gone past that we still make to this day. And um, had we chosen maybe different choices at different moments and times, our lives would be different. And I think of, um, I made a choice to stay in Washington, and then the very next day, after making that choice, I met Mo. And I always wonder, what if that choice, what if I would have made the other choice that I thought was a good one as well. And so, in the retelling of this actual history in Psalm 135, it is also a prayer that is declaring a choice to follow God and not follow idols. So let, us, let me pray this, and then we'll look at this, just this wonderful and beautiful prayer. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servant of the Lord who stand in the house who stands in the house of our lord in the courts of the house of our god praise the lord for the lord is good sing to his name for it is pleasant for the lord has chosen jacob for himself israel for his own possession for i know that the lord is great and that our lord is above all gods Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all depths. It is he who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both, man, both of man and of beast, Who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sion king of the Amorites, and Og king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever, your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Israel, or of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from from Zion. He who dwells in Jerusalem, praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This prayer starts and ends with praise. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. This is what we get to do as we start our prayers and start our petitions, start our songs, we get to sing praise to the Lord. We get to start with the praises of His name on our lips. And we have reasons, yes, and we have requests, but those take a back seat just to the fact that we simply get to praise the Lord and give Him this worship that we offer Him. And praise is best done when it's not just the lips, but it's from our hearts and in our lives as well. Having our hearts that just... Let Jesus know that we honor him, that we worship him, that we think highly of him, that we're going to praise his name. And so as this starts off with the praise the Lord, we give praise as well. We praise him as we sit in our own homes, as we, we stand and we go forth and whether we, we go uh, and whatever we do, we praise him. With our breath, we worship Jesus. Even in things when we just say, wow, look at that sunset. That wow is a, is a breath of worship to Jesus for creating that and giving it to us. And this prayer gives us a couple of reasons why it is praising God. And there are actually some amazing reasons. It says in this psalm that Israel, as his, that Israel is his own possession. And God had chosen Israel out of all these other nations. And just as Jesus has called us from all uh, different people, he's called us each by name. And I love this because we are loved by him because he first loved us. I think, I think of this and I can't, I can't help but marvel at it, that he chose us, that he adopted us. And I could say it this way, he wants us. He wanted us. Even if others have rejected it, uh, even if others have rejected us, God hasn't. He's chosen us. Even if we are forgotten at times by some of our friends, Jesus never forgets us. He chose us and he wants us. And what a beautiful thing it is for us just to know that we are wanted, that we're desired, and that we are um, not only desired, but we are his precious treasure. that's what we mean to Jesus. We, it is us who make Jesus wealthy. Yes, he has, he has wealth far beyond anything that we can imagine. I mean, the heavens are his and the earth is his footstool. I mean, in heaven, streets are paved with gold. And I can tell you as a former paver that if they're paved with gold, then gold is just a common pebble in heaven. That they're just common rocks to him. And yet he invites us to join him and be with him. He wants us there with him. This is, in, in one way, it's not enough if he had all that and we weren't there to enjoy it with him. His love for us is so great that he wants us to be with him. And, and this is how much he thinks of us, how wonderful he thinks we are, and how much he is willing to sacrifice for us. And I find it amazing that Jesus wants us so bad that he left heaven behind, became a common boy to live here in this earth and became, he grew and became a man where he worked and he walked and he toiled and he sweated and he ate and he drank and did all the things that we do. And as he grew and became wiser and stronger, the Lord says he grew in wisdom and stature. And then one day, he started to preach his message, his message of love and forgiveness of a kingdom that is not like the earthly kingdom but is his kingdom to come. And in this message, he he even was showing us that his life was an exchange for ours. That he lived that we might live for him one day and become his very own. His love was so great that he let them put they let he let them Put him to death on a cross for us, where he endured the mockery and the flogging and all the earthly pettiness that our rulers and and, and rulers have devised um, and they devised for for him, and they put him on a Roman cross so that we that we might be his, and this is love that he laid down his life for his friends. That's what he calls us. That's what Jesus calls us, his friends, so that we might be called a friend for all of eternity. And a life with Jesus is better than any life we could want to live. Amen? Because we are his and he is ours. It is in this beautiful relationship where he is worthy of our praise and honor. He is worthy of everything that we could give him. He is worthy of our every breath and our every step. So we live and we walk with him in his glory. But this psalm also cra- uh, praises God for his creative power. We know that not only has he chosen us, but he is all powerful. That it's not just like we got chose by the lesser team. We got chose by the one who is king of kings and lord of lords. I mean, we see and believe that Jesus defeated death. Whereas here as humans, we think that this is like... This is the ultimate power, like nothing can transform you from death. And yet he arose and defeated death. And he, But not only that, he also controls the heavens. He can control all the earth. He can control the seas and even the deep things of the seas that we don't know about. The deep recesses of space that we don't know about. He controls it all. He can control the rain and give it in his season and the lightning as well and it is him who has the wind stored up. This is the God that we give praise to. This is the God that chose us, this one who is mighty in power. And not only is Jesus, as he walked the earth, he's meek and mild, but he's also powerful and patient and strong. And we praise him for all of these reasons, for his power But we also praise him for his deeds, for the very acts that show us his power. Just think of the sins that um, you have been forgiven of. He forgave you those sins. He is that powerful to give you this freedom of forgiveness for all your sins. He's defeated some fierce enemies of shame and guilt that have tried to tear us down. He's defeated those enemies. And he's chosen us. He's chosen us. He's powerful. But he's also victorious. And this psalm shows us this. We can see from the middle section of this psalm many of his victories from verse 8 to 12. He's defeated Egypt where once they were held as slaves. Just as our slaves. We are slaves to uh, sin and death. Jesus defeated those as well. In God he defeated the kings of earth who oppressed the, the people of God, like think of Sion and Og, they were real people and real kings who were really beaten by God in those times. And you can go back and read those stories and see how God defeated them. And, and it, he, they, they got beat in only a way that God could have done it. There's no other explanation for it other than God did this for us. God, who is the one who won the battle for them. Sure, they had to go out and fight. They had to do some things. But the victory that they got belongs to God. And if God had not been with them, they would not have won. So, but not only is this God victorious, but God also gave them the spoils of the land. They got gold and silver from the Egyptians the land of the Amorites and the the Bashan and the Canaanites, God gave them the spoils of war and they gave them the land that they possessed. The people weren't just defeated, but, but what was used to once oppose God is now being used to serve God. God can reverse fortunes like that. He does this and he uses the wealth of the wicked for righteous purposes. He can Take lands and give lands. He can, and the victory and the spoils belong to him. Now, I uh, I don't think any of us on this uh, in church today are soldiers, and we haven't fought very many physical wars, and yet we still have victories in God in our life. We may not have gold, and yet there are still spoils of war, the victories that Jesus has won for us. I think of things like forgiveness. What a beautiful gift forgiveness is. What a a beautiful gift contentment is. As God gives us contentment, we can just be like, if I have you, Lord, I have enough. And it's a beautiful gift that he gives. And then then the, the grace and mercy and faith and hope and love and peace All these are spoils of war that Jesus won for us so that we are not rejected, but accepted. I'm a firm believer that God can still give us material blessings as a part of the spoil, right? However, without these intangible spoils like love and peace and hope and faith that he gives us, they wouldn't serve him. The intangibles would only serve ourselves. So we can take the spoils of war that our victorious Jesus has given us. We can take the breath that he gives us through his Holy Spirit and live in that. Live this new life with a new kingdom and a new king set out before him. And we can praise him. We can have praise on our mouths. And we can praise him for his power his might and his victory and praise just him because he's the gracious giver of all the gifts that we have. His name is to be blessed now and forever. And we say all this. However, there is a choice. We don't have to worship Jesus. We don't have to live a life that says praise be to you or bless the Lord. We can live a life for ourselves. Um, We're not robots that are forced to worship God. That's not who we are. In a sense, we get to choose sides. We choose either Jesus' side or the side of the idols. And we know that the church answer is Jesus. That's the side that we always choose now and forever. But in reality, idols don't look like wooden objects or gold objects that we put in a sacred place in our house. Um, they, They don't look like that anymore. In fact... The idols are kind of sneakier than that. They creep into our lives and and without even knowing it, sometimes God could have given us the good thing as a spoil of war and then we take it and we worship him. Think of the Egyptians. They got... Uh, gold and all that kind of stuff as they, or or the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they got gold when they left Egypt. And as they left, then they threw it into a fire and out came a calf and they worshiped the calf while Moses was on the mountain hearing from God, instead of worshiping the God who actually made them. So idols, idols are man-made objects, period. They're full of beauty and wealth or they can be full of beauty and wealth they can be excellent and good things that we receive they are things that are enticing to be honest and we can think of idols like this think of um uh think of things like wealth if you have wealth there's a temptation there for that wealth to become an idol what about fame some people crave fame and crave the desire to be known and seen and loved and admired by all those around them. Or some people, maybe they don't crave fame, but they do crave power and prestige where I need to be above all everyone else and everyone needs to listen to me and come to me and I, I have all the answers. But then we also have these gifts like our homes, our cars our, our our bank accounts our jobs our education maybe we we have things like our influence that we can worship like we just need to be influential or um maybe appearances like just the vanity of of looking a certain way all these things can be idols all these things can be obtained. And we've seen people obtain them in our lifetime. If, if they want, they can go out and get them. We can gain houses and cars and degrees and all these things. We can gain influence and maybe even fame. We can accumulate wealth in our bank accounts and material possessions. And I'll say this, none of this stuff is bad in and of itself. Just like the idol makers of old would have used wood and gold. That doesn't make wood and gold bad. But when they are placed above God, when they are placed above Jesus, they are not only that is um, the wrong place for them, but they are also not helpful. Not helpful. You see, all this stuff that is made by human hands is not alive. We can fall into the trap of valuing our possessions or even desiring possessions over and above Jesus and they won't satisfy us like Jesus will. This is a prayer. Psalm 135 is a prayer that chooses Jesus over against the idols. The creative power of Jesus over the dumb and mute nature of the idols. They choo- we choose God's steadfast love and his grace over against the fickle, natures, uh, fickle nature of God. Salvation is found in Jesus, and in idols, there is simply no salvation. Even if there's temporary happiness, there's nothing that's lasting and sustaining. And I love, love, love the description of idols that's laid out in this prayer, and all throughout the scriptures, to be honest. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. But those who choose choose idols, who desire all these things above Jesus, they become just like them. They speak, and they're not heard. No one actually listens to it and takes it to heart. They, they think they can see. And in fact, um, many people in this world who have idols and they think that they can see, they think that they have vision, but they are blind. And if you've read Chronicles of Narnia, it might be like the dwarves in the last battle who are sitting in a wonderful place, but they just couldn't see it. That is what they're like. They're just stuck in their own little world. And they think that they have all the vision that is needed for all mankind and all humanity. Some people think they can hear. But idols have their don't eat, they have ears, but they're plugged up. They can't hear, and they think that they have the breath of life. They think that these wealths and this this these possessions and fame and whatever it may be, whatever idol may be, um, the ones that we naturally are inclined to, they don't have the breath of life in them. They're not satisfying. The realistically, uh, realistically, the idols are choking them out. And those who trust in these idols become just like them. Their life's choked out. They think they can see, but they can't. They think they can hear, but they can't. They think they can speak, but nothing of worth comes out. But those who follow Jesus become just like him. Now, idols or material possessions can be used for Jesus as well. We can, and I'd argue that we should use things like wealth and power and influence. If we have them, we should use them for Jesus. But nothing ever comes before Jesus. If he asks them to give him up, we do so with joy because he gave everything for us. And they are not above him at all. Jesus told a rich young ruler, Good job keeping the commandments. Now go and sell everything that you have. And the rich young ruler walked away sad because he couldn't give up his wealth. But we, as we walk with Christ, if, if we have wealth and God says, give it up, we say, all right, we trust you. And we walk because our wealth is not where our security comes from. Our wealth is not what we worship. You are, all praise be to you. And if you do this thing, then we just trust you and we walk with you. And if he asks them up, because we recognize that wealth and power and position, all these good things, they are tools of God, not gods in and of themselves. They can be helpful, but they will never fulfill us like Jesus. The, the, they will never um, be worthy of singing praise and giving blessing to. Compared to all these little G gods, Jesus is so much better. And in him, we can find our life. In Jesus, there is salvation. There is a God who speaks to us and keeps leading us with his still, small voice. And we keep following him. There is a God who has eyes and has the vision to see where we are going and lead us. We can trust his sight, even if in moments we cannot trust our own. Jesus also has ears right? He listens as we call out. He listens to our prayers and petitions. In fact, he does this, and then he is even praying to the Father for us. He is constantly interceding before God, our Father, for us. And then Jesus left us a gift, God's Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a great gift. He breathes life into us. He breathes life into us. The thing that got stuck that stuck with me most of the week was this word breath, um, is the idols of the nations. They have mouths and do not see, but then it says, um, uh, but there, nor is there any breath in their mouth. And this word that's used for breath is Ruah. And this idea of Ruah is the, the breath is the creating nature of God. The the word would be used in Genesis 1 when God created the earth and when God formed man and blew breath into Adam, this same word is used, the Ruah. And in these idols, there is no Ruah. There is no life-giving breath that comes. That breath only comes from God. And God gave it to Jesus. He gave him that breath. And Jesus, as he breathes on us, he sent the Holy Spirit to speak. Speak to us about himself, to lead us and guide us in his ways. In fact, the same word that would be used was used in Acts chapter 2 when the breath of God came down and the tongues of fire landed on mankind. This idea that the Holy Spirit is with us is the very breath of God. And so let us breathe that in and breathe life into us as we continue to live this life for Christ and follow the Holy Spirit. This is a life-giving breath, and it is something that no idols can give. And so this is my prayer for us, that we follow Jesus that we follow him and he gives us the ability to breathe and the power of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will be constantly reminding us of the goodness and the grace of Jesus the blessings that we have in him the history that he's already done for us as well as um, not only that it gives us a hope and for the future and so let us follow God as is as if He is the life force for us. This is our breath, that God is our breath and our life force for us. I pray that we choose Jesus and that we lay down our idols each and every day. I pray that our hope is not found in any great thing that we have, but our hope is found in Jesus and him alone. I pray that we may choose the one who has the breath of life. And so let us, grace and mercy, let us come before the Lord and praise his name, not just with our lips, not just on Sundays, but with our life. In Jesus' name, amen.